When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I had heard so much about this brave, rebellious little island in the middle of the sea. And I had, a, I had very romantic ideas about Ireland. Of course, um, it didn't take long before I discovered that this is the most conservative country I've ever known. One of the things that's crucial about Spittle versus a lot of the rest of the world is that I don't have a predetermined you know, day. Or if I do, if I meet somebody, and I think that's the difference, if you meet somebody and they've got a problem or they want to do something, and that sounds like a good idea, you do that instead. It would strike me more that uh, Irish people uh, drink uh, before eating. They drink, to me, they seem to, to drink more than they would eat. And I've seen them many times uh, drinking for long hours in, in the pub not uh, eating anything apart from having some peanuts. Well, it's gohimpished, I heard you say. We met in Mawaklin, in London, and we were one of our games, and we were able to enjoy ourselves when we passed. We were able to enjoy ourselves when we passed. We were able to enjoy ourselves when we passed. We were able to enjoy ourselves when we I would ask for milk, and the woman in the shop would stare at me and say, Milk? Uh, yes. Um, do, you, do you sell milk at all? And she would say, stare blankly at me and say, What is it? And she just couldn't understand my accent. And the, the whole shop would gather around me then, and uh, what does she want? And uh, I would make these pathetic attempts. Milk. Uh, the white uh, liquid that comes from cows. <laughs> and I would feel like running out of the place. We Irish are famous for exporting our sons and daughters, but until recently the traffic has been mainly one way. Now, however, not counting our neighbours across the water, who've been coming here in one way or another for centuries, there are people from no less than 50 countries living in Ireland. At the moment, there are about 13,000 aliens on the live register in Dublin Castle, of whom 20% come from America and a further 30% from EEC countries. The actual number of foreigners living here is much higher, though, since this figure excludes Britons, most foreigners who've been here more than five years, and, of course, the 2,000 or so aliens who've become Irish citizens. 
It also excludes those foreigners who stay for only a year or so and neglect to register. Such visitors aren't usually pursued by the Department of Justice, which, according to a spokesman, doesn't do a big brother on it. But what brings people here in the first place? Where do they come from? And how easily or otherwise do they become integrated? At the beginning of the programme, you heard a Finn, an American, a Frenchman and a Greek commenting on different aspects of living here. And I'll be talking to them and other so-called aliens later on. But first, a product of our own history of emigration. The Irish-American and his inexorable search for his roots. Hank O'Mahony from New York has no fewer than 45 first cousins in Ireland. But they weren't the only reason he came. Well, I mean, there was two reasons why I came here, I suppose. One was my granny always talking about the place and what it was good. And I was, I think, what, I was seven or eight. And I told my granny I was going to take her back to Ireland and, you know, all that crap. Anyway, I never did, of course, because she died. and <laughs> That was the end of that program, you know. But then I started, I guess the biggest thing was working with American Indians. Well, it was about... I spent about five years working with them and living on reservations and working. And, and I began to get in touch with one. I had a place where I came from. I mean, they were all getting into their, their uh, religion and their uh, language. And then I started making comparisons even before I came over here about it. And I guess I'm still wondering because, I mean, in a lot of ways, they are much better off in some ways than the Irish are because, I mean, they've only lost their culture for about 150 years. I mean, their language in in terms of their tribe is much more stronger than it is here where you have pockets of it, like here or, you know, Kerry or Donegal. And their religion is a lot stronger. I mean, I think that the real religion of the Irish was before Patrick, you know. Hank's been in Ireland eight years now, first in Dublin, then in Spiddle. He works with underprivileged communities, and for the last couple of years has been commuting regularly from Spiddle to Liverpool to work among the blacks over there. He prefers living here, so why work so far away? Well, I work in Liverpool because I need to make some money, and it's the only place I can... I mean, I've had, I, I, mean, I have a problem working in this country because of uh, some enemies I've made along the way, and so there's not much work I can get in this country. I worked for a couple of years for the, a thing called the, the National Committee to Combat Poverty, and they decided at, at one point that I was a bad influence on the staff. And so we terminated our, uh, our working agreement. This, this, the problem with this country is, is that there is nobody willing to give money for independent uh, or separate community development in this country. I mean, it, it's pretty well sewed up, either by the church or by, uh, well, yeah, this, the church is the main one. And secondly, I suppose, is the, uh, the universities and that. And they're not really interested in independent community development. What they're interested in is making sure that they continue their control over what's happening, even though they say differently. I mean, the Poverty Committee started out with the concept, and, and I think the concept is right, that... The reason why there's poverty in this country is because there's, there's inequality and the solution is a redistribution of wealth and resources. Okay, now, I mean, very few countries or very few 
programs in any countries I've studied have actually stated this and actually said that they were working towards this. The problem then becomes that if you're asking a government to finance you, uh, that government is one of the sources of power. And not only just the government, but when you start looking at the people who are in government, you take, no, just take for example now the Taoiseach, Charlie Harhi. I mean, he's not only got his own party, but he's also got his own spheres of influence, like for example, uh, all the different types of uh, ways he makes money and those kind of people that he associates with. Uh, for example, when he decides that there's going to be a, a campaign for certain things like uh, health. health or uh, alcoholism or whatever, who gets the contract to produce those kinds of ads and those kinds of advertisements and those kinds of uh, convincing arguments for the public? Well, they're not some uh, young, struggling, uh, Irish-speaking person from Spittle. They're some high-powered uh, firm in Dublin that he's had contact with or somebody in his office has had contact with. And that's fine. That perpetuates that small circle of people who hand out work to their friends. And, I mean, one of the things that I have learned in this country is that it's so small that, I mean, somebody that at that particular, you know, like, say, Charlie Hahi or, uh, I don't know, somebody at, at, any, at any higher level has a certain amount of people that he has contact with, not just on a business level, but on a, on a personal level and on a social level. Would you not rather live in Liverpool? Not at all, no. Although I enjoy living in the black community in Liverpool. I mean, that's one of the things, actually, that I... I mean, it's about the only thing I miss living in this country. It's kind of like, you know, a multiracial or a, a bit of difference. I mean, you know, I mean, a bit of, like, you know, a bit of, bit of soul music, a bit of reggae, and a bit of, you know, a whole different way of looking at life every once in a while is a nice bit of freshness that uh, that I enjoy. It's 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 something different, and I suppose I. And how do you get on with the local people? Well, I suppose I get on. Okay, I mean, I I mean, we play a bit of a game. I'm the crazy yank, you know, and I I can I can basically say anything I want because they really know that you know I don't know the rules of the game, even though they know I know the rules of the game, and I can you know I can you know kid about their age and how much money that I know they're making and all this crap, you know, and I can get away with it because they know it's, I'm not really trying to find out, or, you know, any of that. And uh, I'd say I get along pretty well with them. Uh, well, yeah, I get, I don't know, this is, this. Oh, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, there's, there may be a whole bunch of them that hate my guts. Doesn't look like it in Hank's case. But it was a different story for Isaac and Charles, two Zambians I met at Dublin's Afrospot. The Afrospot disco caters especially for the blacks and coloureds in Dublin. Most are male, many are students, and all are barred from at least one popular Dublin night spot, following a fight there between blacks and bouncers. Several other Dublin discos discourage them by giving concession entry cards to whites only. What's it like otherwise to be black in Dublin? Old women and old fellas have the same story also. They want also, they will stare at you. 
you know, say like what you are. See if you can talk English. See if you can. No, do consistent things, you know, like an Englishman or like an English. You know. Does that annoy you? What? Does that annoy you? At first, it used to. But after getting used, it doesn't bother me. We have been brought up by a white man. You start learning English. Now, we learn English, and you're brought up, when you're young, it doesn't matter whether you're black or yellow or what. If your kid was seven years of age and went to school with my kid of six years of age, is he or she going to know the difference? No, God has given us a choice. Where you and me, Siobhan, can add one and one, make 16. Where you and me can add one and one, make two. He's given us the right. Where we can sort of find, distinguish between wrong and right. But now you ask me the question, why, how come I don't resent the white man? I've got no right to resent the white man. And there's no way a white man can resent me. He may not have the right to, but does he? Or is curiosity the main reaction? Four young blacks rented a house recently on Dublin's north side, in an area where gangs of young people regularly go on the rampage, stealing, looting and generally terrorising residents. First, what do the locals think of their black neighbours? Now, the thing that might cause a little bit of remarks, now, for example, they come over in the morning or maybe midday or maybe even at night time in a short dressing gown with maybe nothing on underneath. And like it does create a little bit of a remark when they trot her into the shop in fancy dressing gowns and nothing else, and everybody else is dressed for the winter, you see? So that might give people around. They don't behave as the Irish behave at home, do you know what I mean? They don't adjust in that way, at least any I've seen around here. What do they uh, buy here now? Um, well, they go in for all these curries and all long grain rice. They're eating potatoes, to my surprise. Yeah, I, I was very surprised to see that. Mostly mashed, I'd say, <laughs> for convenience. But most of them are Nigerians for some unknown reason, certainly around here anyway. You get very few colours, it's usually black. And uh, really they, they are a di bit difficult to get to know. They seem to be very sure of themselves. You know, and they seem also not to be very well able to drive a nail even. Certainly my experience of Nigerians particularly, if they, if they want to, to nail a patch on the door, they'll come over and ask somebody outside to do it for them. You know, they're here to study and they're not here to do menial tasks. They don't even seem to be able to help put in a fuse in the fuse board. And do they hang around with um, Irish people? Well, definitely not from what I can see. They keep to themselves. They just keep to themselves and don't seem to show any... They, they speak now. They say hello. They wouldn't ignore you. But then they have uh, Irish girlfriends. Now, whether they're girlfriends or whether they're long-term friends, I don't know, but um, I suppose maybe that's where the potatoes came into the scene. But um, we don't have any social communication with them except to see them and to speak with them. And I don't think there's any aggro, if you'd like to call it that. But, to tell you the truth... They don't mix with any of the local people, and there's a gang of buyers sort of knocking around here in the night time. And they, they paid some sultan remarks, two dollars for blacks, because apparently they were jealous of them. So he came over, one of the blacks came over to the crowd, and they were in outside that shop there. And he says, If you don't stop that, he says, bigger than our people, he says, in the night time, he says, I know what I'll do, it's just, he says, I'll beat Tanius. He went too. He says, if it happens again, he says, I'll beat Tanius. Standard that man. That's the only rail we had here. We hadn't got one since here. We have a situation here where Summerhill has been closed down. And we've got Summerhill now in our environment. It's all been moved into here. 
and were dealing with animal gangs or whatever you like to call it. Now they felt that because they were black, this is why this was going on. But it wasn't. I mean, everybody was getting the same treatment. But they were get the the um, invaders, if you like, were getting more of a laugh out of them thinking that they, the ship in the shoulder, that they kept taunting them, you know what I mean? Where we phone the police immediately and get them sorted out or get them shifted or go out and fight. They wouldn't. They would kind of immediately get the ship on the shoulder and feel it was a colour bar. I asked Charles, one of the Nigerians involved, what exactly was happening them. Petty disturbances, you know, on them. They don't steal anything. Not so far, they're not stealing anything. And uh, all at once, they broke the glass to our door here and only banged the door 30 times. So otherwise, nothing again has been done. But they, they are really children, which I think they, they do all those type of things to every person, as I would say. You know. Not only here have I seen them, but in many other places of Dublin. Do you think it's specifically directed at you? Uh, maybe, I may not be not. It's difficult for me to immediately say. But if I were to say anything, I would say it's not. Judging by the work they do, most of the foreigners who settle here tend to be middle class. Of nearly 2,000 work permits issued or renewed in the first nine months of last year, about 36% were in industry, mainly at a management or senior technical level. 30% went to doctors, nurses or researchers in the medical field, about 12% to shop or office workers, and a further 6% to those employed in education. So senior personnel in industry, along with those in medicine, commerce and education, together make up over 80% of the work permits issued for that period. Catering and domestic service accounted for only 6% in all. These figures, of course, don't include foreigners who are self-employed, nor do they apply to EEC nationals, who, since 1977, have had free movement within the community. An arrangement, by the way, which so far hasn't greatly affected the numbers coming to this country. Greeks won't have free movement until 1988, but even that must have seemed a remote possibility to Tony Christofides, when he came to Ireland in 1964. He's now working in University College Galway, where he lectures in maths, through Irish. How did that come about? Well, we see man sing Eilge, or Holonegor, let it go hang on, on Urshin Reeve, on Urshin Ile, we see man in tea, Agus Greer Hila, Castu Dinium, Aragel Jacob. Rinne uh, mei Ach, er no rame gelior am, agus gelior dorach le le goelge olim, agus marchen 
And so, back to English again for a while. Were the people around here surprised to find somebody from Greece learning Irish? Well, I suppose they were mildly surprised. There's, uh, I think there's a fairly well-established tradition of foreigners of various various countries and with various backgrounds uh, learning Irish. It's not, uh, it's not by, by any means a, a unique phenomenon. So they, they just uh, uh, shrugged me off as another one of these rather ex- slightly eccentric foreigners. And how would you consider Ireland to be different from your own home background in Greece? Well, it, uh, I, when I first came here, I, I thought it was dramatically different. It was t- totally different to anything I knew. It, it, it was a sort of a re- revelation. The... The scale of things was very different, although Greece isn't by any means a, la- a large country, but one does get the impression uh, of... Uh, uh, one's first impression of Ireland, my first one certainly, was of a v- country on a very sm- much smaller and more intimate scale. Uh, one had a strong impression that after a while, one, uh, after a few years, that one, one had... Or, or if, if one had met or was well on the way to meeting a significant uh, proportion of the total population of the country. I, I'm sure that this was an illusion, but uh, it, 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 one, this is the impression that one got, that the same people seemed to turn up in various parts of, of the country at different, uh, different times when one didn't at least expected it. And uh, there, there was a, a general um, impression of intimacy and of, uh, and of a manageable and, uh, and, and uh, human scale, which, which was very different to anything I had known. And what about your children? You, you've three children. Are you happy that they'll grow up in Ireland and consider themselves to be Irish? They, they speak quite a lot of Greek, by, by some sort of an accident. They, they, they did learn Greek, and um, they speak it very well. Uh, so, so I would imagine that uh, the choice will be open to them when they grow up. Uh, to to go and live in Greece if they, if they feel like it, but I uh, would imagine that on balance uh, the I, I prefer the idea uh, the thought of the children growing up in Galway to say growing up in Athens, which would which would possibly be the alternative. And finally, if somebody were to ask you um, what are the Irish like, what would your answer be? How would you try and describe us? Well, I suppose the. There are various things that they're very good at. Uh, they, they are very musical people. They're the friendly people. They, they are uh, uh, people with uh, uh, a lot of uh, good, uh, a, lot, a very good sense of humour. And uh, uh, their life is organised on a scale that uh, makes uh, for a lot of uh, humanity and uh, friendliness. Uh, these things are changing, of course. By the, by the way, I, I have noticed. I think a significant change in the time that I've been in Ireland, although the, the people are still just as friendly as they, as they were, but in the pressures that they are subjected to seem to me now to be much uh, greater than they were when I first came here. At least that's my impression. Someone who mightn't agree with Tony Christofides about all this pressure is Hans Mites. But then he spent the last 15 years on the side of a mountain in North Connemara, so it could have escaped his notice. He came over as a young lad to see what could be done with a small piece of hilly land his father had bought in Mam Valley. And he now farms 2,000 sheep of so tough a breed that, according to one local, they're like young calves. You could sit up in them, they're so big. He also built a small factory in which nine people are employed 
to separate base metals from scrap metal in a process hitherto unknown in this country. Twelve years ago, he built the house where he lives in splendid isolation with his English wife and two children. The house itself, with all its mod cons and its well-designed interior, wouldn't be out of place in a fancy Dublin suburb. Yet there it sits, facing into the wind that howls round the Mam Turk Mountains. How does one live in such style, so far from civilization? We shop a lot in the local shops here, which uh, they're only a mile or three miles away. That for us is very, very near. Uh, once a week, we do a, a bigger shop in Galway because there's normally some business to be done in Galway anyway. And we take the opportunity then to buy the normal things that go into the fridge or the deep freeze. So shopping is really no problem. And what do the locals think of things like the patio and that? Do they find that strange? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they don't, they're not really so gardening or minded or they don't think too much of flowers, I don't think. Yeah, now this house is um, it's beautifully situated, but it's very isolated. You know, what sort of contact do you have with uh, other people? Well, uh, we have a lot of friends in, the, in around the area, and we see them possibly more in the winter time than in the summer because everybody's busy in the summer. But we see enough people. I think it's important that if you live in a place like this, that you are self-sufficient in a lot of ways self-sufficient in a mental way. One has to be, uh, as a family, one has to be very close, otherwise you can get a lot of problems. How did you find the English initially? I mean, did you always speak such good English? No, I had terrible English. Just school English. You know? A few years at school, that's all. And I was saying earlier that this is possibly why uh, I have lost the, the accent or haven't, you know, had to pick up the Connemara accent because I, I learned the English here. You know the sort of things you learn at school, but you don't know whether it's a bolt or a spanner or a fence and poster. These sort of things you don't learn, you know? Do you still think that you're regarded as a foreigner or do you think that you're fairly well integrated at this stage? Well, I hope not to be regarded as a foreigner. Uh, I think that I am still the German in the area and that's just a name I think more than anything else I suppose they put that on my tombstone but apart uh, from the name I think we are as far integrated after that time I think than you could possibly be and we've been getting on very very well with everybody we never had any problems with any local people or everybody gives us all the help we can get or we need. And uh, I like to think of myself as not as German, but uh, as Irish. Hans Meitz is happy in his new home, 
but many immigrants feel a need to retain links with the country of their birth. Aria is a Finnish woman who moved to Sweden when she was five and has been living in Ireland for ten years. She got married here, has one child, and is now separated from her Irish husband. Interestingly enough, a foreign woman is automatically entitled to Irish citizenship if she marries an Irishman. But in the opposite case, the only bonus a foreign man gets is a three-year remission on the normal five-year residence required before an alien may apply for Irish citizenship. He can apply after living here for only two years. But back to Aria. Does the question of roots bother her at all? Has, has bothered me all my life <laughs> since I've always been a foreigner, and uh, I think it's uh, the best way you can grow up is you stay in the village where you were born and uh, you marry the boy next door, and uh, that kind of way you have a lot in common with your husband. But it's, if you come from a totally different background, there are so many things that uh, you miss out on that. I don't know if it's worth the border. <laughs> but you don't think that you gain something as well? Oh yeah, you gain something as well. But, um, but uh, <clears throat> whether it makes you feel happy, it's a different story. Where would you consider home to be? I've been here ten years. And uh, I have no other home than Ireland now. Which is... Um, Unfortunate because I'll always be a foreigner here, obviously with my accent now. If I win the sweeps, I think um, that uh, I'll pay pay a speech therapist to get rid of my accent. Do you think um, it matters that much? Especially in the beginning, it was very hard. Even though I knew English very well, people couldn't understand my accent. So. If, Doing simple things like uh, buying a pint of milk would be a major ordeal. And uh, it still happens to me sometimes. I ask for... Uh, I'll, ha I'll have uh, two pints of milk and uh, uh, three rock bands. What? Rock bands. Rock rock bands and uh, I get more and more panicky and what, what does she want? Rubber bands is it? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like buying the rubber bands then. <laughs> then I say oh these um, uh, bands uh, they have raisins on them and sugar on top. I think it's Christmas cakes she wants. No Christmas cakes is that we, we sell that in December now. <laughs> Aria is a silkscreen printer costume designer and cartoonist. Her cartoons, which appear in In Dublin magazine, feature harassed mothers, aimless pint-drinking men, obstructive bureaucrats and desperately trendy young people. Aren't they a rather cynical reflection of Irish life? <coughs> I don't think my cartoons are very cynical at all. You think they're realistic? Oh, yes. Eh... Uh, Nearly every word is taken out of real life. <laughs> some some of the situations that you come across here, uh, but I can, I can only laugh at it now or cry at it. But uh, I'm not I'm not uh, anti-men, and I'm not anti-marriage either. But I think that most. Uh, 
marriages in this country or maybe everywhere else too they don't you know they don't work out very well <laughs> i was married for a while and uh, i'll always be unless the pope changes his mind of course so far the pope says nope <laughs> did you find it easy to get to know people at the beginning Oh yes, at the beginning it was easy, because I used to go to the pubs a lot and I got very fond of the pints. I used to drink pints of Guinness and I made some kind of pub friends anyway. But as soon as I had a child, I found it very hard to, hard to meet people at all. This is one funny thing about Ireland. You're not uh, you're not really invited to people's houses at all. And uh, in the beginning, I made all my friends in pubs, and uh, I found it really extraordinary that you could spend a whole a whole evening talking to somebody in the pub, but you couldn't invite them home. And if you met them in the street, they would barely say hello to you. If you haven't grown up in this country, women are very hard to approach. I found they were a bit different from myself, mm. or they saw me as saw me as something strange anyway, too strange for their liking. What are the positive things about being here? I'm used to it. Uh, I've learned about it the hard way, and uh, so it is—it's uh, my home at this stage. My son, my son, uh, is an Irish citizen. Sure, a lot of uh, Irish women have this problem; they have nowhere else to go, and this is not a good place for a single woman with a child. So I'm no worse off than a, than an Irish woman. Mm. So I don't. F particularly feel sorry for myself for that reason uh, but I think it's wrong that uh, you have to you have to manage here without any proper creches and childcare facilities and you still have to make a living on your own I, 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 I like Ireland and um, I used to like it more I think people are very very witty very funny people you meet sometimes. Talking of funny people, is our sense of humour a bit different from that of other countries? From France, for instance? Probably, yes. I think so. Uh, I remember once I was with a friend and we went to see, I think it was uh, a film with Peter Sellers. And what we found is that uh, we were not laughing uh, at the same time as the rest of the public in the cinema. Patrick Kriegel a French teacher, who earlier on was slightly aghast at our tendency to drink for long hours without eating. Our drinking habits don't bother the Courgie family in County Kildare, though. Uh, we follow the same as the other Muslims do. Uh, we have uh, one month's fast in a year, which is called the Ramadan. And um, this is not... Um, compulsory on the people in our religion. Although Muslims 
do feel it more obligatory for them to follow the fast. Mm. What about alcohol? Is that forbidden? Yes, alcohol is forbidden. And how do you find that Irish people react to your religion? Are they surprised by it? Or are they hostile to it? No, I wouldn't say hostile. And uh, I wouldn't even say surprised because they have heard of Muslims and they take us as Muslims. Although we are followers of Aga Khan, it's a, it's a sect in the Muslim religion called Ismailis. And where do you worship or offer prayers? In a, in a small room which is very close to the, to the house, to the residence here. And it's a very simple structure, merely because it does not have to be a particular design with minarets and all that. It's a simple structure, it's just a room where very simple furniture, with very simple furniture, is, um, is arranged and where we offer our prayers. And uh, at the same time, it could be called a mosque. Yes, it is. It is a mosque. And it's in County Kildare, no less, used by four Asian families, about 50 people in all, who came here seven years ago from Kenya. They've since established extensive interests in the pig and bacon industry here, a surprising enough choice of product for people whose religion forbids them to eat pork. The business is thriving, and they employ 220 people in their Newbridge factory alone. Freddie Woji explained the domestic setup. We would be about uh, 21, including children. Now, most of them would be young kids, ranging from uh, 16 to downwards. Does that not get a bit hectic at times? I don't think so, and I would quickly say no to it. I think it's a pleasant... Uh, Set up. It's a big place. If you haven't been through the place, it's like a hotel. It's more so bigger than a hotel. But what do you think of the the average Irish family who live in in small units? Basically, I would not say they would be losing out. It's traditionally how you are brought up. Do you think that perhaps if your children grow up here and and continue to live in Ireland, do you think that they will feel a hundred percent Irish? I don't have to think, I'm sure about it. Because uh, quite a, the kids have already started speaking Irish and uh, learning Irish and English. And where would you consider home to be? I'm at home now. Do you ever miss people in Kenya? Or anything about Kenya? Uh, really nothing except the weather. The sunshine. In spite of our weather, a lot of people come here every year, nearly half a million in all. Of those, all but 3,000 are reckoned to be tourists. And of those 3,000, most are business people on short-term stays. What is it then that entices the few to stay on that little bit longer? And ultimately, perhaps, to settle here for good? Hans Mites. There comes a point after a few years when the decision has to be made to either stay or go back. 
and I had to make that decision. And the decision was to stay here, which I've never regretted. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.